I say a good morning to you. It is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to uh, bring the word to you this morning. And here we are. It is April 18th, 2021. And already we are in the third Sunday since Easter. It's hard to believe. Easter is this grand celebration for the church. And yet it seems like with the way that our lives tend to go, we get excited for the buildup. We come on Easter Sunday morning and it's this grand celebration and then we just move on. At times we seem to forget that we are Easter people. That Easter is not just something that we celebrate on one day within a year, but Easter is something that should be celebrated every time we gather. Well, last week, Pastor Eddie helped us begin a new series called The Other Side of Easter. So what happens once the celebration is over. How do we really live like Easter people? You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. And that fact, that truth, should be impacting our lives every day. We're going to pick up in the book of 1 John where Pastor Eddie so beautifully left off last week. If you missed the message from last week, I highly recommend you go back and you listen to that. Pastor Eddie reminded us that God is light. And that was an echo to uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And he reminded us that if God is light, we are to be people of the light. And we are to be people that live in the light. And he walked us through 1 John chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. Well, this morning we're going to pick up in 1 John chapter 3. And in that chapter, John begins to make this switch. He begins to remind the people of God that not only are we to live in the light, we are to live as children of God. And we'll hear in the scripture that that is what we are. And John will actually spend the rest of this book reminding us what it means to live as the children of God. Now before we move into our text, we need to understand some of the background information. The book of 1 John was actually written to churches in conflict. It is addressing this conflict and trying to prevent what is going on from spreading any further. You see, there were false teachers who had been a part of the church that actually left the church because they began to declare that Jesus was not actually God's son. 
And they began to deny that God had come to earth in human form. And these false teachers and these false teachings were proving to be very influential and were beginning to lead people astray. So John is writing to call the people of God back to the truth. So let's hear the word the Lord has for us this morning. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he has revealed to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John has just packed so much in these seven short verses. But we are going to dive right in, and we are going to see what we discover this morning. The first thing that we discover is that we are chosen by God. Did you hear it? John describes God as our Father. This is obviously familial language. We often talk about Jesus was the Son of God. Remember, he's writing to combat the, the false teaching that, no, Jesus wasn't the Son of God, but he is the Son of God. And we hear Jesus in the Gospels call God his Father. But here, John is reminding us that Jesus is not only, God is not only Jesus' father, he's ours. God is our father. Now, I, I do understand that the word father can be sometimes a very loaded word. There are some that are listening this morning that when I say that word, positive memories do not come to the forefront of your minds. For some of you, you did not have what could be described as a good father. So hearing that God is our father and trying to see God in that way can be difficult for some people. But for some, that, that, that switch isn't, isn't hard. 
because for some, that, that word father brings happy memories. But that one word is such a powerful word, father. And it's a powerful word for John, too. You see, he's not using this word lightly. Hear again what the text says. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. This is a father who is pouring out love on his children. There is no end to the lavishness of this love. And we are the recipients of that as God's children. Not because we've done anything to earn that. Not because we are saying, I choose for you to lavish your love on me. No. We are God's children because God chose us and God loves us. And it all begins with God's love being poured out on us. The image that John wants us to grasp here is actually one of adoption. Through Jesus, we become adopted into God's family. For those of you who have walked the journey of adoption, you know that adoption is a choice. God is choosing us. He is choosing to adopt us. And as the youth say every Wednesday night, he chooses to do this no matter what you have done or what has been done to you. God has chosen you to be his son, his daughter, a part of his family. And we see this throughout the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 4, we read, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you are a child, you are also an heir with complete access to his inheritance. Ephesians 1.5 says, So he decided long ago to adopt us as his children. He did it because of what Jesus Christ has done, and it pleased him to do this. Galatians chapter 3, You are all children of God by believing in Christ Jesus. I can just hear God, John saying to the original hearers, can't you understand how amazing this is? How could you possibly believe these false teachers when we have this amazing truth that God has chosen us? I think perhaps Sometimes we lose that sense of wonder. But the God of the universe has chosen and adopted you and me. Adoption is God's 
miraculous, wonderful gift. You can't earn it. You can't try to manufacture it. God wants to freely give it to you as a gift. We just have to receive it. But sometimes this world can just beat us down. So much so that we forget who we are. We get lost in our past or in our mistakes or in what the world says about us or thinks about us. There are so many voices yelling at us and sometimes even whispering, telling us who they say we are or should be. Sometimes our lives are filled with trauma or illness and grief that we can't even remember who we were before. Ronald Cole Turner says, the promise of God's love is a truth impossible to believe apart from the gift of faith. The truth is that God's love has staked a claim on us that overwrites the truths we think we know from our experience. We experience our brokenness, but God's truth declares us whole. We experience the lingering grip of sin, but God's truth declares us holy. We experience impurity, but God is purifying us. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I want you to hear the voice of Jesus through John saying, I know who you are. You are mine. You are my child. I chose you, and I choose you still. You are chosen. You no longer have to be identified by your past or your mistakes. You are chosen, not forsaken. You are not your past because God is wanting to give you a new future. You are not your mistakes because God is wanting to make you new. You are not your brokenness because God is wanting to make you whole. You are not defeated because three weeks ago we declared that God had already won the victory and that victory was not just for Jesus on the cross and rising from the dead, but that victory is for you. For you are chosen by God. Let that sink in deep within your soul this morning. Can you see it? Can you see the love that God is lavishing out on us, pouring out on us in abundance that we should be called the children of God? And John doesn't even stop there because he says, and that is what you are. That is good news. John also reminds us that with this knowledge and this truth 
comes some responsibility. Because not only are we chosen, but we are called to live differently. Because of this truth that God has chosen us, we are called to live differently. We are called not to live like the rest of the world. We are called to have a different worldview. Verse 2 and 3 says this, My loved ones, we have been adopted into God's family and we are officially his children now. The full picture of our destiny is not yet clear, but we know this much, that when Jesus appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. All of those who focus their hopes on him and his coming seek to purify themselves, just as he is pure. John is talking about transformation here. And this transformation is not just some quick, rapid change of understanding. This is a total, complete, from the inside out transformation. A transformation of thinking and feeling and believing and behaving. A complete renovation of the heart and soul and mind. Remember, in the beginning, We were all created in the image of God. Think of it this way. We share God's DNA. Therefore, we are called to look like Jesus in how we think, how we act, how we love, how we serve. Remember, John just told us that we are part of God's family. So we should share a family resemblance with Jesus. This transformation that John is talking about here makes us more like Jesus. And that is God's desire for us. Not only does he want us to receive the fact that God is choosing us, to receive this love that he has for us, but God desires for us to be more and more like Jesus. There is no other pattern or goal, nothing else that we need to point to to say, oh, that, that is where I'm headed. Where we are headed is to look like Jesus. Brian Peterson says that Jesus not only is the shape of God's past love toward us through incarnation, cross, and resurrection, Jesus is also the shape of God's final gracious gift to conform our lives to God's perfect love in the Son. And John isn't just talking about a present tense transformation in these verses. I don't know if you caught it. But there is a future tense that is here as well. You see, we don't know what we will be like when Christ comes back to make all things new. There is this future wholeness, this future completeness that we can long for and hope for, but it is not fully realized yet. And at times, this can cause us to become discouraged when we're not there yet. 
when we make mistakes or don't get things just right. But the beautiful thing about what John is saying here is that this wholeness and completeness, this holiness, is not just for some time down the road. This hope for the future shapes our lives right now. We can live into this promise, this promise of God's preferred future for us right now. We can, as David Bartlett says, imperfectly imitate the Christ whom one day they will know perfectly. They can embody the hope that they profess and all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. As John says in verse 3. But John keeps going because there's more we need to understand about this transformation. In verse 4, everyone who lives a life of habitual sin is living in moral anarchy. That is what sin is. You realize that he came to eradicate sins, that there is not the slightest bit of sin in him. The ones who live in an intimate relationship with him do not persist in sin. But anyone who does persist in sin has not seen and does not know the real Jesus. Children, don't let anyone pull one over on you. The one doing the right thing is just imitating Jesus, the righteous one. If we want to look like Jesus, there are some things that we are going to have to do differently. There are some things that we are going to have to say no to, things that we are going to have to stop doing. And John is reminding the people of God that sin is not to be part of their lives anymore. And he makes it very clear here that sin and holiness are incompatible. The two cannot go together. Christ came to restore us and set us free from sin. And with his help, we need to faithfully seek to live righteously, or you can think of it this way, rightly. This is what it means to live a holy life. Jesus is calling us toward a life without sin, a life of Christ-like character, to a life that is characterized by God's love filling us and flowing through us so that we can love others. This is what it means to live as God's children. Michelle Levine says it this way, living without sin is choosing obedience every time we have the choice. Let me say that again. Living without sin is choosing obedience every time we have the choice. 
If we believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God that takes away the sin of the world, if we believe that Jesus' death and resurrection that we just celebrated three weeks ago was really for us, for all people, then that should change us and transform us. It should change the way we live our lives. And this transformation will do more than just make a difference in our lives. It will make a difference in the world. Because by this, the world will know that we are followers of God. You see, we are called to be radiant testimonies. This brings us back to the message that we heard last week from Pastor Eddie. We are people of the light. God is light. In him there is no darkness. And what does light do? It radiates. It shines. It lights up the darkness. We are called, as Tara Beth would say, Tara Beth Leach, to be radiant people. We are called to be people that shine brightly the light of Christ. In order to shine the light of Christ in this world, we must remember that our light is not going to look like the world around it. Let's go back to verse 1 in the message translation. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We are called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously. Because it has no idea who he is or what he is up to. So what happens? What happens when we truly live our lives knowing that we are chosen by God? And that we are called to live a different way of living? we actually become a gift to the world. Because we are called to go out into the world filled with God's love and allow that love to work in us and then through us. And that is how we become radiant testimonies of the goodness of God. Our whole lives then become a radiant testimony to the world of the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. The hope that this life that is at times filled with sorrow and pain is not all there is. Our lives become a testimony that forgiveness is possible, that transformation is possible, that we don't have to be known by our mistakes and our past, that God can make us new. We can become new people, new creation. We become this radiant beacon of light that shines brightly in the darkness and declares sin has lost its power. Death has lost its sting. Come. Come and see. Come and meet my Jesus. I think Tara Beth Leach says it perfectly in her new book, Uh, Radiant Church. 
And it's a little bit of a, a lengthy quote, so um, we have it up here. So just hang with me and listen to what she says here. You see, this is the central vision of Scripture. God's people are called to live in such a way that the world is blessed through us, through our actions, our life together, and our love. At the heart of God's grand narrative in Scripture is not merely the story of individuals being rescued so they can avoid the bad place, but rather a holy and radiant people. That is, we, the church, are to display a better way of living, a fresh way of living, a stunning way of living, and a radiant way of living to a weary and broken world. It isn't just our deeds that attract outsiders, but it is Jesus himself in us. This is the life that God is calling us to, a life that is chosen and called to be radiant testimonies in the world. And this is not something that is just attainable someday when Jesus comes back. We can live this chosen and called life today. And it begins when we remember who we are. We are the children of God, called and chosen to be like Jesus. And friends, that is exactly who we are. The called and chosen children of God. And the exciting part is that John points us to is that this is just the beginning of what God wants to do in us and through us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the, the hope and the truth of your word, and we thank you for the challenge of your word. Would you help us to receive it this morning? Would you help us to Remember that we are chosen by God. That you love us so much that you want to lavishly pour out that love on us. We are chosen, but we are also called. You have called us to live differently. You have called us. And you want to transform us so that we can look like Jesus. So that we can be your radiant testimonies, your walking testimonies in this world of what God can do and what life with God looks like. May we be faithful to that calling, we pray. In Jesus' name. Now, would you receive 
this benediction this morning. And now may God, whose purpose is to kindle, ignite within us the fire of the Holy Spirit to be a people that knows that we are chosen and called. And may we be a radiant people that live differently so that the world would see Jesus in our lives and through our lives. Amen.